Yeah! Five, two, podcast! That's right, we're back with the Five Tool Podcast. Black Josh, you good? I'm good. Seamus, you good? Oh, that's because this is I'm good. good. That's a star. Mike Wicket, you good? I'm great, man. Is there a child in the background? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle's a child herder. He, he collects them for, for blood and organs. Okay. And I drive a white van. Hi. I, I drive Silas, a black say van, hi. so we're good. Hi. Say hi right now. Hi, Silas. Say hi. Hi. We got kids in the house. Hey, buddy. Hi. All right, that's right. We're back with the Five Tool Podcast. Um, we Like I said, we got a special guest. Mike Wicket is in the house. Um, he's a radio personality. You may know him from 105.7 FM The Fan out of Milwaukee. He also worked with KMBZ in Kansas City, so he's a little bit of a, a globetrotter in terms of being a radio personality, so we got a lot of questions with him, and, and he's going to be helping us through the show today, and we're going to be discussing a lot of sports topics. But at first, I want to get a little background on you, Mike. Um, tell us a little about yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about your time with KMBZ and uh, working in Milwaukee at the fans. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, going... Back to 2007, I got an opportunity to leave the first radio station I worked at, at WTKA Radio 1050 Sports Talk in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was there for seven years, and then I got an opportunity to come to mornings in Milwaukee, which was very cool. And it was one of those, like, Milwaukee is one of those towns that you don't know anything about until you've actually gone there. Like, everybody knows Chicago, and everybody knows New York. You don't know a whole lot about Milwaukee, and I did not know... And I, and I truly do mean this, and I, I, I cried on my last day on the fan in Milwaukee. Uh, you, I did not know I was going to fall in love with the city like I did. Uh, the people, the Packers, the Bucks, the Brewers, despite the weather. I mean, I'm from Detroit, so it, you know, weather didn't bother me all that much. Uh, and I did mornings there for about nine and a half years, and um, I met a girl, and her name is Lee, and she was working down the hall at KISS FM. Uh, and she got an opportunity to run a radio station in Kansas City. And after a little while, uh, we made some phone calls, and I got a job at a different kind of station, KMBZ, which is more of a news talk radio station, uh, down in Kansas City. Did that for three and a half years, and then uh, we became pregnant with twins and said, okay, we got to figure out what the hell we're going to do next. So when my wife was pregnant, she actually got a job offer in Des Moines, where she is from. And uh, I kind of followed her up here to Des Moines, Iowa, and said, you know what? I'm going to wind up being a stay-at-home dad. So that's where I'm at now. I'm podcasting about Wisconsin sports, about being a dad. I'm talking with you guys, living in Iowa, and I'm a stay-at-home dad. That's awesome, man. Uh, much respect to you for taking over the role as being a stay-at-home dad. That's uh, that's. That's a big leap from going, you know, having a really good job with the radio station and going into podcasting. So tell me a little more, bit more about your podcast network. What do you got going on with that? You said you do a couple of them. You, yeah, I know. Uh, you, yeah, I do one. It's, it's called Wicked on Wisconsin, and you can find it uh, on Apple Podcasts. It's on uh, Spotify, on Google Podcasts, we're everywhere you want to find it. And then also I do one called Check Out My Dad Pod, and it's uh, nice. 
about being a stay-at-home dad. Uh, I talked to a different dad who has a different story. Like I'll talk. Last week I talked to a guy named EJ Becker who did mornings in Kansas City, and he and his wife they uh, adopted a baby at the age of 45, so a little later in life. I talked to a guy who actually has 10 kids a couple of weeks ago. Like, wow. wow. Wow! Yeah, I know. Absolutely crazy. I thought my three were a lot. <laughs> um, so it's it's a it's a podcast for dads uh, with dads by dads. It's kind of cool to be able to do that, and that's all over the uh, the, the podcast networks too. So uh, wow. it keeps my foot a little bit in the radio world, even though uh, I did decide to put my career on a bit of a pause for you know for good reason. Very cool. Yeah, that's it. That that dad pod podcast. I noticed you were doing that. That that's a really interesting thing. I'm gonna have to check that out myself. I also have I have an 11 year old daughter and I have a, a baby coming in May myself personally. This is Butcher talking, and we're actually all dads who do this show. So we've actually after the Kobe Bryant tragedy, we had a big, Ugh. pretty interesting discussion about what it's like to be a dad. And three of us are fathers to girls, or yeah, so three of us are fathers to girls. So we did like a a big, a big segment on being a girl dad and what that means. Um, but going back to the podcasting, which do you prefer? Do you prefer doing the terrestrial radio, you know, the nine to five kind of grind, or do you like the podcasting a little more? What are some advantages to both of them that you like and disadvantages? Oh, I mean, I would lie if I said I didn't miss being on the air every day, and I think my ego misses it more than anything. I think uh, right. when you're on the air at three different radio stations, and I've been in the, on the air for twenty years, I think all of a sudden not being and this is going to sound really arrogant, but not being the center of attention, not being somebody who talks for four hours, whether it was mornings in Milwaukee, I did uh, mornings in Ann Arbor, I did middays, I was on 10 to 2 in Kansas City. You know, you, you do grow an ego. You want to stay humble. Everybody tells you to do that and yada, yada, yada. But there is, you know, there is part of you that enjoys the attention. That's kind of why anybody gets into this, you know, into this business. Um you connect with a lot more people when you do terrestrial radio. Uh, there's more money <laughs> as opposed to, I mean, you guys know you've just started this podcast recently, I think. And you know that, you know, eventually your, your plan, I assume is to monetize it. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But until you start putting in 20, 30, 40, 50 episodes, you're nothing, you know, in terms of, you're not uh, the Joe Rogan experience quite yet. So, <laughs> Uh, there are advantages to the podcast side though. I mean, I don't have a boss, you know, I can talk about whatever I want, whatever topics I want. I don't have to worry about any being called in to the principal's office or anything along those lines. So there's a little bit more freedom, but my love, I've been in love with being on the air since the seventh grade and I'm 38. I'll be 39 this spring. And it's really all I know. Like I was on my high school radio station. I went to broadcast school in Detroit. I started in Ann Arbor. I went to Milwaukee. I went to Kansas City. Like there's a part of me that, you know, when the kids, when all three kids who are one or younger, uh, when they get into kindergarten or whatever, you know, may- maybe hopefully radio is still around <laughs> in about four or five years. Yeah, it really seems like podcasting is like the new the new forum that a lot of people are looking to. I mean, the, the advantages to it, such as you, you can listen to it anytime. You don't, it's not like you have to tune in at 6 a.m. to hear Mike Wicket talk. You can listen to your podcast at any time if you're in the gym or on the road. So there's a lot of cool advantages to it. But yeah, they, I can understand how, you know, when you're on a big radio station in a big city, that how like the ego can form and how it can be not, not necessarily a bad thing, but like you be, you be, you have a platform to get a name for yourself. Whereas now you're kind of starting from scratch. But it seems like you've been doing very successful. Um, 
You mentioned you're 38. Now I did some stalking of you on the internet. You look like you're about oh. 25, man. <laughs> well, I, I always joke with people. I said, take a picture of me now because my wife goes back to work and I'm a full-time stay-at-home dad in nine days. So what I want is somebody to take a picture of my hair, the color that it is right now, and then check back in in a year and see if I've aged like Barack Obama. Like that, I mean, the, the hair color will likely become very, very gray, uh, like like anybody in a stressful situation. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, de- definitely something that I uh, that I am, am excited about, worried about. Uh, but one thing, real quick, too. Um, the, the the cool thing about podcasting versus regular radio, uh, I mean, I can binge watch whatever I want on Netflix. It's like the binge watching of radio. Like if you're a fan of like Jim Rome or whatever, you know, you, you hear Jim Rome on the air everywhere in the country. But if you want to listen to Jim Rome after he's off the air, you have that opportunity or whatever. Like if, you, if that's what you just want to do, you want to do like eight episodes on a road trip or you know, you're sitting around the house or whatever the case is. That's the benefit of podcasting. It's binge watch. It's Netflix and chill for your ear, basically. Yeah, definitely. And you can do, you can be on the, I mean, you, you don't have to be sitting down to listen to a podcast. You can be doing your daily no. activities and still listen to them and, and, you know, continue to retain that content. So next question for you. So you've been in Detroit or you've been in Ann Arbor. You're from Michigan. You've lived in Milwaukee. You've been to Kansas City. Now you're in Iowa. Where do your sports loyalties lie? Are you a Wisconsin sports fan? Like, who are you rooting for on a regular basis? Um, well, let's start with the National Football League. I was, uh, being from Detroit and working in Milwaukee, a lot of people always said, you know, you're just a Lions fan. I was never actually a Lions fan. And I, one of the things I always tell people is you work in, in Wisconsin long enough or you live in Wisconsin long enough, you become a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, and that's where most of the focus of my podcast uh, is on these days. You know, it, it'll it'll change to the Brewers and the Bucks, obviously. But I wanted to start it in the Packers season because that was the NFL team I'm the most passionate about. It's the NFL team I know the most about after talking about them for so many years. Uh, so NFL wise, it would be the Green Bay Packers. NBA wise and Major League Baseball wise, both Milwaukee teams. Like yeah. I haven't been to a Tigers game in Comerica in oh hell. 12 years, something along those lines. But I, you know, I was at Miller Park weekly, if not multiple times a week. So you just become a fan of the, the, the Brewers and the Bucks, and it's great to watch both teams actually have success, which, you know, I know people who grew up in Milwaukee in the 80s and 90s didn't get a lot of that out of either team. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say those two. College-wise, uh, it's still the maize and blue of Michigan, even though their football team is an absolute joke in most people's <laughs> minds. And the basketball team is, you know, taking over all the spotlight. So that's that's where I would say the, the, the passion lies. Right on. So, so you're a Wolverines fan. Yeah, Deal yeah with, that is accurate. Dealing with Coach Whiny McCacky Pants, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, if his name was anything besides Harbaugh, he would have been fired a year and a half ago. But <laughs> his name that's... is Jim Harbaugh, and... You know, everybody says, who's going to do this better? Yeah, exactly. Everybody says, well, if you want to fire Harbaugh, then who do you want to replace him? Uh, I, I come up with like four or five different names. Joe Brady, the passing coordinator for Burrow down at LSU. Uh, back up the Briggs truck and bring Lincoln Riley in from Oklahoma. You're Michigan. I know you have the money to do so. Anybody, because I'm watching Michigan go 10-2 and two every year, get their ass kicked by Ohio State, lose in the bowl game. They're, they're getting, they, this year they beat Notre Dame in a torrential downpour. 
Uh, other than that, Michigan doesn't beat anybody. They don't beat Wisconsin. We know that. They don't beat anybody. They beat Illinois. They beat Iowa. Big flipping deal. You're Michigan. And and it just pisses me off to see this team, you know, go 10-2 and two and lose the most important games of the year. And then everybody says, oh, well, you know, the program is better. The fitness is better. Shut up. Beat Ohio State. <laughs> You know, to be fair, the Badgers don't beat anybody either, and they out. Not they, when it counts. No, not when it counts. Really, they. Yeah, but but Wisconsin standards are different. With all due respect, and I've always said that. Like I, everybody wants to put Wisconsin on the same level as Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. They're not. Like it's it's the the standards. I think for was, and this is you know maybe Wisconsin needs to change this. But if you polled ten Badger fans and said, "Guess what? You're going to play in the Big Ten title game and go to the Rose Bowl." I think eight out of ten would be thrilled with that. You know, whereas, I wouldn't be. I want a national championship. Yeah, me too. Rose Bowl doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, nope. You know what? Especially seeing as we can't win it. Yeah. <laughs> Four in a row, man. That was uh, that. That was a tough watch, man. That was a really, that's, really that's, tough watch. We are the Buffalo in the Rose Bowl. We are the Buffalo Bills of college football. <laughs> but this was not a special Wisconsin team. Not like, at this all. wasn't a this wasn't a Badger team where you. You know, by the time you got to November, you're like, ooh, this could be the year, and man, what a magical ride. No, this was an above-average Wisconsin team that got punked by Illinois, got dunked on twice by Ohio State, and once again goes out west and loses the Rose Bowl. Like, this was, I don't know, was this Paul Chris' best team? No. It was a good Wisconsin team. It wasn't great. Great running back and, you know, some nice players everywhere they're going to be drafted, but this wasn't a great team. Speaking of uh, uh – well, Jonathan Taylor, where do you think he's going to end up? You think he's going to go top? Running backs aren't what they matter. Running backs don't matter in the draft anymore. Very, you know what I mean? Like, it's not Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. It's not the you know Marshall Falk. The, it, running backs aren't utilized the same way as they were. I think he's probably a. Is he the first or second running back off the board? Probably. Does that mean first day, second day? Probably. I mean, I don't think he makes it to Saturday. I think he's going to be gone by Friday, and I don't. I don't know where the projections have him uh, for the uh, in the first round or not. So I think he's got plenty of, of opportunity to, uh, to to be one of the top backs off the board. But you know, back in I mean, when I was growing up, man, running backs were top five picks every single year. And now it's like if there's one in the top ten, it's shocking because of the way the NFL game is is played these days. Yeah, it's really well, the last the last the last Badger running back to go in the early first round was um uh, oh You're talking Ron Dane? What the f- no um Melvin Gordon? No, Gordon yeah Melvin Gordon because I mean he went in the first round you know I think it was early first round to San Diego but since then you know Corey Clement ended up. I think he he went to Philly, but he was undrafted. Agumba Wale ended up with, was undrafted. I say Jonathan Taylor goes in the late first round. You think he goes? To, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by it, especially if it's. A, I mean, what if it is New England? I mean, what if it's the Patriots and and, and they? Add That'll be the second UW running back that they'll have in their barn after James White. Right, and and I could see that totally working out. And and you know what? He can catch passes out of the backfield. You know, if you give him the ball twenty five times. A game, he's going to be productive for you. He he's very very productive between the tackles and outside the tackles. Like I like Jonathan Taylor. Running backs just aren't 
commodities like they were back in the day in the NFL. Yeah, it's kind of like you can put almost anybody into a system as long as the system is effective and you got a decent offensive line and you got a good decent screen pass you, set up. It seems you, like you ex- exactly that. You have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Kamara, McCaffrey, Aaron Jones can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like you have to be able to do that unless you have a dominant offensive line like Zeke Elliott in Dallas. But for the most part, you you really have to you know be able to be multifaceted. You can't just be a straight downhill runner anymore. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's really changed in terms of running back, and the and the the pay scale form is is kind of indicating that. Um, I want to move it to national, and I want to I want to go go. Talk, I want to talk a little bit about baseball. I, I realize we got a little off topic talking about the uh, college football thing, but that was a good discussion. I want to talk about the sign stealing scandal. We've been talking about it a lot on the show. We are. Centrally, a baseball-themed podcast, but we do talk about other sports typically. But so, in the midst of all all that's been coming out over the last two months, a lot of people are speaking out against the Astro Astros. Uh, I love it. I love I love everybody get like Chris Bryant's comments oh, were great, yeah. and I love everybody coming out and just dogging on the Astros. I think it's fantastic. So I want to get I kind of want to get your thoughts about that. So what what do you make of the scandal and uh, the subsequent punishment that Rob Manfred brought upon the Astros? I know that every radio show from the East Coast to the West Coast has said this. You know, sign stealing is part of baseball. And if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That was the old NASCAR mentality. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But boy, this sure sounds like they took it to a completely different level, right? Like this is cheating to the nth degree. And if Rob Rob Manfred, it, fe- it feels kind of like the penalty the NFL gave Ray Rice before the video came out. Remember Ray Rice got two games? People were like, what in the hell is going on here? Then the video comes out of him beating the hell out of the girl in the elevator. Then they really up the penalty. This feels like Major League Baseball said, here's the penalty, and they haven't seen the video yet. And I don't know if they're they're ever going to actually get to the very bottom of this, but it, it does sound like the Astros had this ridiculous uh, scheme that, by the way, props to former Brewer Mike Fires for seemingly helped blow the lid off of this thing. I think that's fantastic. Um, in terms of the penalty, I, I mean, you probably could have thrown the book at these guys, and you know, I know they made them give up picks and money and their manager and the GM and all that kind of stuff, but it really feels like everybody is, is pissed off that this, the punishment wasn't nearly enough. So, I... I kind it's of, tough to say. Go ahead. I kind of understand, though, why the players weren't able to be punished. And that seems to be the thing that most people are upset about, like the players didn't get punished. Well, you needed them to speak, for one. Rob Manfred needed their testimony, and I don't think they would have testified had had some punishment been instilled. And I kind of believe that aspect of it. And how do you determine what players were you know, implicit? How do you determine which players weren't? Because it just, it just right. came out today that... Um, Matt Kemp, he says he wasn't involved at all, and people were backing him up. But it's it's like, I kind of understand. And I think, I mean, Dusty Baker even said he's worried that his guys are going to get beamed all season this year by other by opposing pitchers. So I, the punishment may still be coming to the players in one way or another. You know what? I read that today from, from Dusty. And, and I think that's a very – let me back it up real quick. Dusty was a good hire. Dusty – I don't know if Dusty's the world's greatest manager – but I feel like Dusty Baker is good for PR, which is exactly what the Astros needed. When their owner came out and spoke the other day, 
it was like pouring gas on the situation. When he said it didn't impact the game, and then he's like, oh, by the way, it impacted the game. We were like, wait, you just said it didn't impact the game, but then you came back and said it did impact the game. That was so genius. what the hell are you absolutely talking about? <laughs> Insert foot in mouth. Right, like he's supposed to be the smartest guy in the room. He owns the team. He's the billionaire, right? Like that's the guy that's supposed to get stuff right. Uh, I, getting back to your, your point about Dusty Baker, I think it's a valid point. I think p- players just every day you hear a new player, a new star. You know, Kenley Jansen was talking about it. Uh, we mentioned Chris Bryant was talking about it, all these different guys. And I think when teams, especially in the playoffs, that face the Astros and pitchers that face the Astros down the stretch, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if retaliation is taken out on some of these players that did that. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of beanball, but I can't say that I really, really blame them because who's to say that they didn't actually cost the Yankees or whomever, the Dodgers, a chance to win a World Series because of this elaborate scheme. Now I'm going to throw it back to you. I can bang a drum all I want, half a second. Don't you still have to be able to you know, perform by the time the ball gets to the plate? Like, where do you guys stand on the idea that, okay, here we go, here comes a changeup, and now you had to actually swing two seconds ago? Let's let's open it up to everybody. Uh, Killer Kyle, what do you think about the question that uh, Mike Wicket just posted? I'm, or posed? Um, is it is it is it really that helpful to be able to have the the banging of the drum indicate whether it's a, a does it ball? change the World Series? It, you know, it does. <laughs> it's it's so bizarre. Like we're in twenty, you know, we're in the twenty first century, and. Major League Baseball players are banging on drums to gain advantage in baseball games. It's, and I'm going to apologize. I got my son following me, so sorry. Um, that was actually Jose Altuve in the background. <laughs> yeah, they got the same height, too. Um, I don't know. I, I Again, I think it's a little like, I don't, like when we first started talking about this, I didn't take like... I didn't take it that seriously, and there's a part of me that still doesn't like. I, but I still, feel the same way. Like, okay, I, big deal. <laughs> yeah, I still I'm struggling to figure out what advantage did it really swing a World Series like by just figuring out the opposing team's sign like for pitch like does that really change it? It just doesn't seem to be like that big of a deal to me and i i know that's an unpopular opinion go ahead mike agrees with me that makes me feel yeah. better i don't know if we're the right i don't know if we're on the right boat but we're there together we might be well, I, i'll take it yeah you'll be my rose i'll be jack i'll never let go because i'm the one that's gonna die here so no i mean i don't that's that's my take i just i don't i don't understand it and i think that's why you're seeing um the Bregmans and the Altuve's, like, in their apologies, they're just so short-spoken. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got, what, what do you want me to say? I'm sorry. You know? Because they, I feel like that's their mindset. Like, this, we, we're still professional baseball players, and we were a good team. And we can put up runs, and we can pitch. So, you know? Yeah, and there was an interesting... In- interesting point i saw i think it was carlos correa said something today or yesterday saying that in that in the alcs in 2017 the yankees scored like three runs in four games i mean that didn't swing the alcs by any means 
Um, so you still have to beat the team. I mean, even if they have the signs, you still have to pitch. I mean, you still have to hit the ball too. I mean, you still have to. You beat- still have to face Justin Verlander three times in a series. Like it, it's still you have to put runs on the board too. Right, right. Black Josh, what do you think? What do you think the actual impact of the sign stealing was, and did it swing? I mean, did it keep Aaron Judge from winning, winning an MVP? Did it keep the Dodgers from winning a World Series? What do you think the imp- implications were? Um, I don't know if I'd say it's you know necessarily swung the World Series or anything like that, but it definitely, it definitely made a difference. You can't say it didn't. I mean, you know what's coming. That's going to help you no matter what. Yeah. I think a lot of it is like these players who aren't Astros or weren't Astros for those teams are really just riding this wave and, you know, trying to gain back any semblance of respect that they lost losing to the Astros. They're really just, they're blowing this out of proportions for sure at this point. But if you're Jim Crane and if you're the Astros, who, I mean, you still got the World Series. Nobody's taking it from you. Do you really have to fix PR at this point? You're still going to sell tickets. You're still probably the best team in the AL West, and you're still a favorite to win the pennant. I mean, don't you think? Are they, though? I think so. Yeah, I very much I do. think so. There's, you still have the pitching. Sure, you lost Garrett Cole, but you still have the, the you know almost the entirety of your team from, from then, short of Marvin Gonzalez and a couple others. I guess we'll find but out. I I, I would say the Astros are still one of the favorites, although this, you know, you know, you, will they be able to find the magic? Will they, the hardest part about all this stuff is, the, is these guys being able to focus. I mean, you guys know how hard, how much baseball is a mental game and every ballpark they go to, it will be like three hours of Ryan Braun being up to bat because every ballpark they go to, everyone is going to boo 81 games a year. They're not just going to be the visitor. They're going to be the enemy. They're going to be hated. They're going to be cheaters. And can they rise above that and even just go, you know, barely above 500 on the road to come back to their ballpark where Houston fans, just like Barry Bonds fans in San Francisco and and Brewers fans, Ryan Braun fans in Milwaukee, they're going to be their guys. Like they're, they're going to lose some Astros fans. Sure. But in Houston, they're still going to have fans because it's their guy and they're okay with it. And, and that's just kind of the way things go when cheating scandals come out. Will they be able to rise up when they're on the road? Will they be able to stay focused when more of this comes out? When guys do throw at El Tuve, when guys do throw at these guys, are they going to be able to keep their cool to try to win ball games? We'll see. Yeah, and I think that's also why, like you mentioned earlier, why Dusty Baker's a good hire. He's a, he's a nice guy. He doesn't have any, like... <laughs> Tarnishes on his resume. He's gonna he's gonna try to keep that clubhouse together, but I'm almost sure we're gonna see one or two benches clearing brawls from from one of these beaming incidents this year. I think the Astros are good enough to rise above this. I mean, I'm not a, really an Astros fan even before this. I was always kind of rooting against them, but I'm also a closet Dodgers fan, and <laughs> um, but I don't think that this is gonna hurt them too much. I still think they win. 90 games this year. They take the West. I mean, and... P- Pakoda's got him winning 98, which is one less than the Yankees. Like, Pakoda's got him as the second best record in Major League Baseball, or at least in the American League. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. I think they're still a very talented team. I don't think that sign stealing helped them that much. I mean, they, they could, they're still going to be in the mix for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to take it locally with the baseball thing now. Josh Hader, um, I believe it was two days ago, he lost in arbitration. He will make $4.1 million instead of the $6.4 million that he filed for. This implies that saves are what have, what's heavily valued in salary arbitration for relievers, even though the reliever position in baseball isn't there's so much other, there's so much more that goes into it, especially now with the new rule changes coming to play the three batter minimum. Do you think Josh Hader got robbed? Do you think we should have just paid him the additional two point three million? And and what is this going to do for him as a player? And how is this going to affect the organization? I'm going to tell you the answer that you don't want to hear. I see both sides. <laughs> That's never good for for a discussion like this. But I see both sides. Um, he he wasn't going into last year. Hater wasn't the closer. He wasn't supposed to be the closer. Knable got hurt, uh, and Jeffress was was not the player he was, and then gone, and yada yada. But Hater wasn't supposed to be the closer. And I don't know if he goes into this season with the mentality of I need to rack up 45 saves or 50 saves or whatever number closers have when they get into spring training. Um, that being said, you know, he's thrust into the role when injuries happened. He got overused. I'm sure you guys have talked a lot about that wild card game against the Washington Nationals a lot. So I don't need to bore you in anywhere with that from the arbitrator's perspective. If you're a closer, which is what Hater was last year, your job is to get saves. And if you don't have 40 or 50 or whatever ridiculous number, then I'm sorry because of baseball's bass-ackwards salary rules, which I hate and we can talk about for hours on end, you don't qualify. You know, I don't. I, what I really hope is this doesn't break the relationship between Hater and and the Brewers, and, you know, he's a disgruntled guy, and if things go south, does he start bad-mouthing or, you know, not talking about the organization or to the organization or to the media, and does he get canned, you know, or traded, I should say, by the time we get to the deadline because he's a bad egg? Like, you don't want that to happen. You still want you want Knable to be the guy from two years ago. You want Hayter to be the setup guy. You want everybody to be happy, and you want the Brewers to be in contention at the trade deadline. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah, that's exactly it. Knable's supposed to be the closer. Josh Hader's yep. supposed to be the setup guy. But I, I, you said you, you saw both sides of this, and I understand how the arbitration process works. Now, Hader did get 37 saves last year. I don't know what number they were. It's not 40. It's, yeah, not, it's 40. not 40. He, and he's still arguably the most effective reliever in the National League. He won reliever of the year. But, I don't disagree. But why, <laughs> I don't disagree. Why did this even have to go to arbitration? So I have a question first, though. Um, do they take into consideration, <clears throat> like, how many opportunities you got as well? Like, is it up based off of that, or is it if you don't if you don't even have forty save opportunities, does that get brought into consideration? So I, I think I, I would bet, and, and somebody can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I would say if let's say you got called up in August and you have and you're fifteen of fifteen by the time the season ends. You didn't come anywhere near forty. You know that doesn't. You're not going to get a race. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I think the the point is you got to get the forty or you got to get the fifty to get the big the big bump in your salary. And look, I think relievers going for this number, like Hater, are one in six. Only one reliever yeah. who yep. didn't hit that magic number. He was the old. I don't know the, the dude's name. It escapes me right now. But only one guy didn't get or didn't lose the arbitration hearing. So. They're not being inconsistent with this at all. They're being very, very consistent. 
So you think it's the fact that the Brewers knew that they would win an arbitration, which is why they didn't give them the extra $2.3 million? Because, I mean, with a team that's cutting payroll anyways, and you have this one kind of borderline generational talent in a reliever, granted he only has two pitches and it seems some guys have found him out, why couldn't the, why did this have to go to arbitration, do you think? Why don't you think the Brewers could have just forked out the $2.3 million to, to show that they value him? I think the Brewers are like the Royals, are like the Padres, are like the Marlins, and they will take every opportunity they can to take everybody to arbitration. I think if those players and those situations come up more times than not, teams that aren't the Yankees, and actually I even think the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers with their unlimited payrolls will still try to go that direction, but I think it's more important for the Brewers to say four is better than six, especially when they are cutting payroll. I suppose, and that's that's kind of another mystery to me why the Brewers are cutting payroll in, in general in a, in a point where our window seems to be closing, the division's getting better, the, the Reds are paying players, the Cubs still have a pretty depthy lineup, and, and the Cardinals are just as good as they were last year. It kind of concerns me, um, and I don't want to get too much into to baseball salaries with you, because like you said, we could talk a lot about it, but for instance, the, the Kansas City Royals just sold for a, a billion dollars. Every team is yep. over a billion dollars. I think there's a bit of a myth that goes, and I realize the TV contracts are a big play into this, but I think there's a big myth in that teams can't afford to compete with others on the financial market. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't think that the Brewers can compete with the Cubs. I think the Brewers can compete with other teams. You know, I, I remember when a $100 million payroll was a wild number. Or, I mean, you guys remember that about 15 years ago? We got a $100 million payroll. Oh, my God. I don't think you can compete more times than not if you don't have a $100 million payroll. I don't even go get to 500 Most of you have a, uh, a $100 million payroll. I think the Brewers will be over a hundred. I don't know what the number is. Um, I, I I think when you look at God, okay, we're going to go down this road for a second. When you're a team like the Kansas City Royals or the Brewers, most of the time, or the Marlins or these teams that don't spend a ton, you're like a Mid American Conference team. You're like a Conference USA team for the most part in the NCAA tournament. You can only compete three out of every ten years. Look at the Royals. They went to the World Series in 14 and 15 because their minor league system developed perfectly. They had Hosmer, uh, they had Mike Moustakis, uh, they, they acquired Alcides Escobar in the trade with the Brewers for Granke, and then they, at the last moment, added Zobrist and they added uh, 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 Johnny Cueto to win the World Series. Since that year, they've been crap, and they're going to be crap for t- until 2023. And it's because of that that I would say, no, the Brewers and the Royals and those kinds of teams, they can't compete with everybody else because they can't go spend $80 million just to fix a hole often. They can, in one case, with Lorenzo Cain. They traded off a valuable asset they thought to bring in Christian Yelich. But I think for the most part, the Brewers can't compete with the big spenders 8 out of 10 years. 5 out of 10, maybe, with a great GM like they have in Stern, sure. But there's going to be some lean years coming up for the Brewers. I hope it's not now and they don't waste Yelich and his crazy good salary. But I think in a couple of seasons when Yelich takes some gigantic contract elsewhere, you're going to see the Brewers go back to a 70-win team, a 68-win team. What I was kind of alluding to, though, is is that I realize that some teams have so much more money, but when you're a team with a billion dollars... 
I feel like there's some sort of myth going on. There's something that's not being said because teams don't release all their, their their numbers all the time. So I think that they're they're the gap isn't as big as we think in in terms of if you're if you have a billion dollars and you're only spending less than a hundred million or like, you're like the pirates who spend fifty million. They're spending fifty million dollars on their payroll this year. They can spend more, That's but they're ridiculous. choosing not to. And I think a lot of it's by choice, and it's like this myth that they just keep telling fans, well, we can't afford it, when really, like, you have a billion dollars. I realize you have to fund a park, and you have all these, but you still have all these sponsorship deals and stuff. Well, I mean, the the new owners in Kansas City just, I mean, there's an ownership group of 25 different guys. I mean, the, the main owner, you know, I can't. How do I not know the guy's name? Regardless, the, the 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 CEO, sure, he paid a big chunk of that. But rich guys want to see money back on their investment, and they just spent a combined billion dollars, and they're not going to get a billion dollars because of beer sales and hot dog sales. Like that is a television contract. It's a long term thing. Like I don't know how much Mark Mark Adonazio paid for the team, you know, twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, but when he sells it. That's when he sees the return. He's still dealing with, you know, how much money comes in based on how many fans go to Miller Park. They're not making a ton of money off of Fox Sports Wisconsin. They're making a good amount, but it, it's a long-term investment when you spend a billion dollars or $250 million, like back in the day on a franchise. I guess I understand. I just – when you have a window to win and – you don't make the big splash move. It can sometimes be frustrating as a fan. I will, however, say that I think just about every move we have made this offseason, it could turn out to be a plus. I think Omar Navaya as a catcher is going to be, granted he has some defensive question marks, but I think he's going to be a, hitting a lot of home runs. I think Justin Smoke is going to be jacking balls. I think the platoon we have at third base is going to be serviceable. I think Urias at shortstop is going to be great, and our outfield is as good as it's ever been. What do you think about the state of the Brewers coming into this year, and what kind of record do you think they're going to come up with? I think Brewers fans need to cut David Stearns some slack. I, I, I can't believe how where Brewers fans have all of a sudden gotten where forever it was, God, just get make September relevant was the mantra in 2007 and 2008. They break through, get to the playoffs. They, they almost go to the World Series in 2011, and then they go to the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time in however long it was. Like All of a sudden, the Brewers fans have become Red Sox of the Midwest. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's ridi- like this guy pulled off a trade in mid-January two years ago to bring you the MVP of the league. This guy has found peace. On the same day, he signed Lorenzo Cain to a really good contract. Like Brewers fans out of nowhere have become so arrogant that it, it they, I don't recognize this fan base anymore. Right. Um. I, I love the moves that they have. Excuse me. That they have made. I mean, losing losing the catcher hurt. Um. You know it, it, that 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 was a contract that I would love to see them go after and do again. The replacement, the dude from Seattle, like like you said, he could hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, I think losing Mustakas as a as a clubhouse guy is really going to hurt. That dude was such a good guy. I watched him and covered him in Kansas City for a bit. Like everybody loves Mike Mustakas, but the outfield is incredibly intriguing. Like if I were to say they're going to play 162 games. What will the outfield look like 120 of those games? What would you say from right to left? 
From right to left, Christian Yelich, uh, Lorenzo Kane, and Abisal Garcia in left. Right? And yeah. then you got Braun at first base, and, and, and hopefully this, you know, Braun didn't miss too much time last year, which was shocking. Uh, <laughs> he had but, a great year. Hope, hope, exactly. Like, hopefully you save Braun from the intercostal, or you save Braun from this or that, or freezing the thumb, or whatever he's got going on. Like, I love the move to bring in Garcia, Mini Miggy is going to hit bombs at Miller Park. I I think this team's going to score a ton of runs next year. I want to bring this one up to you. Um, so, Evacel Garcia was with the with the Detroit Tigers when Prince Fielder was there. Now, there's rumors. I don't know if you ever heard this story that Evacel Garcia slept with Prince Fielder's wife. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's the 50th year. They're going to try to bring Prince back, I'm sure, for something. Do you think that's going to affect Prince coming back for some fan fest type, type stuff? No. Um, I I would say that there won't be any dual interviews that will be done with Abisail Garcia and Prince Fielder. <laughs> if they do, uh, Garcia will be out in, out in the outfield when they introduce Prince to the fans. I, I, so. I can't imagine they're going to be hanging out too much. Uh, and somehow Fox Sports Wisconsin will have to schedule Brian Anderson's interview with Prince opposite of when Garcia is up to bat. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, that brings us to the, the what I like and what helps teams like this and I think is going to help baseball as a whole in terms of popularity. I actually like the new playoff format that they're proposing. Oh, come okay. on. I don't like the idea. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like the idea of half the teams getting in, but this is what basketball has been doing forever. Football a whole bunch of teams get in as well and it's helped their markets and it's going to make teams more relevant come August, September when, when you're, if you're, if you're like a team floating around 500, it's going to make September relevant for teams again. And I also like the idea of a team picking their opponent. That's going to be exciting. And I th- it almost sounds like that this is a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen. So I want to get your take and everybody else's take. I want to kind of get into this one. So I'm going to start with you, Mike, and we're going to take it around the table and I realize as baseball fans, we hate change. It's just something we, we fight at every avenue. We just can't stand change. But upon thinking about this more and more, the more and more I'm starting to like the idea of it. So what do you think? I uh, went off on this on my last episode of my podcast, Wicked on Wisconsin. And I think Major League Baseball is trying to fix the wrong problems. I think Major League Baseball is watching its league bleed. I think Major League Baseball is watching its ratings go down the toilet. I think Major League Baseball is watching the NFL and major and, and the NBA, and I even think college football and college basketball have surpassed Major League Baseball in terms of national fandom because it, it doesn't attract I, – I don't know how old you guys are, all right? I am an elder millennial. I am 38. I am a, I'm a millennial by four months, and I, but I love the game the way that it is. My generation – and the generation coming behind me hates baseball the way that it is. It is too slow. It is boring. It is monotonous. The season is too long. And what better way to make a season that is way too long than by extending it closer into Thanksgiving? What a brilliant idea this really is by having the World Series potentially being played the second week of November. What an absolute terrible idea this is. Um, if you look at the NFL... You know, they figured out a way 
They changed the rules for so there's more offense. They've changed uh, the NBA so there's more offense. You got to figure out a way to change Major League Baseball, and the ball is juiced. I think we all know that. You got to figure out a way to make baseball more exciting for young people because baby boomers are dying off. Gen X, fine, but but when you're talking about millennials and young people, you got to get more more eyes on the uh, on, on Major League Baseball. How do you do that? You don't knock off six to ten teams by the time you get to Memorial Day. You know right now there are six or seven teams. The Royals, we've talked about them before. You know exactly what's going to happen with the Royals. They're going to go 62 and 100 this year. They're not any good, all right? You need to figure out a way to bring the craptastic teams back up to the middle. The biggest problem with baseball is the salary cap or lack thereof, all right? It is the biggest problem. It's the reason why you have – and someone's going to say on this cast, I'm sure – well, Mike, we have more champions in baseball than we do in the National Football League. I know. you're. I'm very aware of that. But by the time we get to Halloween, more than half of the NFL still believes they have a chance to get to the postseason. By the time you get to, to, to Memorial Day, you only you got about 10 or 12 teams that know they've got no shot, regardless of the trade deadline, to get to the playoffs. Major League Baseball's biggest problem isn't how many teams get to the playoffs and who plays in the second round. Major League Baseball's biggest problem is simply... The, the salary cap and getting young people's eyes on, on the game and to enjoy the game. Hey, you watching the dunk, the three point contest? Christian Yelich is in the crowd. Sorry, I just changed the topic. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I, I, no, I, I think you're right. Salary cap is the biggest problem. It's the reason that we don't have why why some teams. Are like, so do, you, much- do you think that if, if if all of a sudden the the Dodgers get the one seed and they get a buy and it's the Brewers with the two seed and the Brewers pick the Reds or whatever, do you think all of a sudden Major League Baseball's ratings are going to go up? Uh, see, yeah, I, I agree that that the playoffs are not the problem. The playoffs are as exciting as they have ever yes. been, and they stopped, yes, and it seems like they stopped juicing the ball last year in the playoffs for yes. some reason. It didn't make any sense to me. But yeah, I, I, but I think that the, this is also a precursor to them eventually shortening the season. I do think that that's something that we're going to see within the next twenty years. The season. See, I, I'd like to see the season shortened by days, not games. Make every team play seven double headers. Oh my god! All I right? love it. I love it. <laughs> if you made every team play seven double headers, and then you wanted to go ahead and extend the, you know, expand the playoffs to to an extra round. You'd be back where you normally are playing, you know, November baseball in New York City when it's 32 degrees out. There's a potential of a snowstorm in Minneapolis, whatever. But if you want to shorten the season, do it by days. Don't do it by games. I don't think there's any way the Players Association is going to agree to that, though. No, no, no. And actually, I think the owners would have a bigger problem with it because they can't charge two gates. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, they do. I I went to a doubleheader in St. Louis and I had to buy two tickets. Did you really? Yeah, that was in... Seventeen, yeah. No, they need to make that a more regular thing and figure out a way and do it on Saturdays too. Don't do it on doubleheader on a Tuesday. People aren't going to games on Tuesdays. That's yeah. unless you're gonna. The only reason that they need to change Tuesday rules, make every Tuesday at Miller Park your bobblehead night. That'll up your attendance. Hey, that's another idea. I mean, yeah, they make it Sundays when everyone's going to the games, anyways. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's at the ballpark. It's sunny. Make two, I screamed for that. For years, when I was on in Milwaukee, and it never, never took off. Sorry, that's a, that's an interesting take. I've never heard that one. <laughs> um, like Seamus, your thought, Seamus. I want to give you your thoughts on the, the potential playoff format change. Um, I I don't like it, um, and not just because.
because I don't like change. But I just... I, I don't... I don't know. It, it just, it doesn't, it, it seems kind of hokey to me. You know, the, the team picking their opponent and, and, and doing it on live. I mean, that's, that seems very circus to me. Um, honestly, I think just kind of like Mike was saying, you know, fix the problem, you know, make, make TV game, make televised games available to more people you know you 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 look at people in the state i mean people that live in the milwaukee area or in the madison area you know yeah it's it's an hour and a half to the ballpark from madison but if you got people living up in like vilas county they go to a ball game that's an entire day if not a hotel you know they've got fox sports wisconsin that's on cable but get have the have the league or have the team pay for a, a couple of offices on a network because they've already got the broadcasting crews. Have them take some of their broadcast budget, put it into a a, a, a non cable channel, and then run that feed throughout the state. That's going to improve your fan base. It's going to improve excitement in the game it's going to eventually translate into turnstiles get and rid of blackout rules yes. in major exactly. league baseball yes. Yes. exactly thank you I, I have i have mlb i have uh well i did until this year um i have mlb at bat i i paid for mlb tv um but i i did that through my red sox nation subscription and i'm not giving the red sox any of my money this year <laughs> um but I pay I pay $130 for MLB TV, and you have to enter in your zip code. They see a Wisconsin zip code. With Brewer games are not available to me. I drive truck over the road, so I may be down in Texas or Mississippi. So I'm not within the blackout restrictions, but because my zip code is inside that blackout restriction area, I don't get my games. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, it's absolutely nonsense. You have to buy a separate subscri- subscription or you have to have cable at home or Hulu or whatever in order to get your home team games. I don't know why the MLB doesn't want their product to be broadcast the way the NFL or the NBA is, where it's it's na- national games every night for the NBA. And there's just about every night. And for football, you get five games on, on broadcast TV or network TV Every Sunday, they make it accessible. That's another way I think they can improve is by making it more accessible to the fans. What do you think, Mike? Back in the day, the Chicago Blackhawks were not on TV. The owner did not have the the owner of the Blackhawks didn't have a television contract for them on in the city of Chicago, which is mind numbing. And that was back when nobody cared about the Blackhawks. Well, guess what? You put them on TV, you draft Patrick Kane, and all of a sudden everybody and every girl is in a pink Patrick Kane jersey, and they win four Stanley Cups, and everybody in Chicago loves them. Putting your product oh, you can't more- tell me that they didn't love 
Jeremy Roenick and Tony Amani and El Belfour and, and Chris Chow. I'm sorry, I'm a hockey fan. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't, the popularity wasn't like, it, I mean, how, how many Patrick Kane pink jerseys did you see on Water Street about nine years ago when the when the Chicago Blackhawks were making their run at their second or third cup? I mean, it was completely different. Bruins. Right, I mean, hockey fans loved Jeremy Roenick. Hockey fans in Chicago loved Ed Belfour. Just like you guys, as diehard Brewer fans, will always love Christian Yelich, Josh Hader, Lorenzo Cain, whatever. They're not going after you. They don't need you. You're going to be there regardless. You're buying tickets. You're buying... You need to get that middle part of the bell-shaped curve. And those are the eyes that you need. The suburban mom and dads who go to maybe one game a year, turn them into three games a year. Those are the people you want. That's where the meat of the money is in Milwaukee. Yeah, those people who live up in Rhinelander might only come to one game a year. But if you can get the TV on and they can watch it everywhere and, and, and you know, like you said, you can watch it online wherever you may be, they might go to three games a year or five games a year. They might book a hotel. They might book a, a rental car. There's money to be made when you put your product in front of more eyes and Major League Baseball, and, I'm, and, and Milwaukee and, the, bat, and the, uh, the, the Brewers do a decent job of it, but it's everywhere else that you have to also try to improve and get your game on. Like, like you said, the NFL is on everywhere. The NFL has its own network that doesn't have a damn commercial for 13 hours every single Sunday. You know, you, you, you've got uh, baseball fans who want to watch a game, may not have cable. They're SOL. You know, you're, 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 you're shit out of luck if you don't if you don't have Fox Sports Wisconsin, uh, unless you're, you know, you go to a friend's house, go to a bar, whatever it is, get your game on in front of more people. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, I, I grew up being able to watch the Braves on national TV every single night and the, the Cubs yep. on WGN. They made yep. that market huge and now they have huge fan bases all over the country or all over the world. It's, it's Oh my god, I was so sick of that damn Tomahawk Chop and Greg Maddox and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin. I was just uh, Steve Avery. Like those were great Braves teams. They were. I lived in I lived in San Diego at the time in the <laughs> in the early 90s and I knew more about the Braves than I did about the Padres yeah. and I knew more about the Cubs than I did about the Padres cuz they were on when I would come home from school. Yeah, I mean well, that was, that was Ted Turner. He had plenty of money to do that. But, I mean, that's a good way to get your team out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and but you mentioned this on the last show. I had listened to it. And you were talking about back when the Brewers were on WCGV on Channel 24. And because I'm, I'm 42 years old, so I can even say I remember back when the Brewers were on Channel 18 on local TV. Yeah. And, you know, that was back in the 80s. And the camera views were so crappy that when they're standing up at the plate and they're they're in their motion and they're in their stance, you see that little little shadowy gold circle around the helmet. You know, it's it was just like Mike was saying, it was so much more accessible back in the day. And through capitalism, whatever you want to call it, baseball is losing its popularity because it is less accessible and changing your playoff format is not going to solve this problem. No, I just ask NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, yeah. And I don't, I don't think the playoff format is going to fix baseball, but I, I don't. Why do it? 
There's no reason to change it. There's no reason to change it. Yeah, I just I'm not fighting it. It do, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. The players are going to like it because more players are going to get into the postseason and have that on their resume. Teams are going to like it because they're going to feel relevant in September. You're going to have fan bases happy because their team's going to feel relevant later in the year. I don't think it's going to fix baseball. No, but I don't. I'm not going. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I've grown to. I don't necessarily love it, but I I don't hate it. I hope it's like every change that has ever come to Facebook. It's the same thing. We all get mad when our little notifications are in the left corner instead of the right corner. (laughs) Stuff isn't where we thought it is. Everybody hates it. And your Facebook status back in the day was Mike Wicked hates this new Facebook layout. And then two weeks later, you got over it. Yeah, and then you were and then you were used to it for another eighteen months until Facebook did it again. I hope when we get to this point, when we have reality television uh, and the Yankees get to pick their opponent, just like Giannis and LeBron get to pick their all stars. How dumb is this? Uh, I hope that I'm just going to say, all right, we'll see what happens, and I enjoy it. But like you said at the onset, I'm a baseball fan. I don't love a lot of change. I don't like the three. I don't like a pitch clock. I don't like a three batter minimum, and I don't like. NBA, uh, Major League Baseball teams getting to pick their playoff opponent and expanding this thing towards Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to it's hard to root for change as a baseball fan because the game's the game itself is still perfect to me. It's still the greatest game there is in its essence. It's still the hardest game for hardest game to play. It's still hard harder to hit a ninety five mile pro or fastball. You know. It's still. The game is still beautiful to me in its essence. So as long as they don't change that, a three batter minimum rule isn't going to – I'm not going to riot over it. I'm not going to stop watching over it. I'm not going to stop watching over a pitch clock. But the game does need to speed up. Not for me and not for us as the old old school fans, but it needs to speed up for the youth and to get people watching again. Yep. I mean, you you just look at the way that the NFL and the NBA have – Played to young people, played to social media, played to Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. Old people use Facebook, not young people. You look at the way that those two leagues have figured out how to to, to appease the young fans. Major League Baseball's got to do this. I love to let the kids play. I hate the idea of the unwritten rule of plunking a guy who Cadillacs a 450-foot home run. I love why. You know what? You don't want him to, to, to trot around at two miles an hour. Strike him out. Have him into a, a six four three double play. The, the game is getting old, and the fans are getting younger, and the fans are disappearing. Major League Baseball is bleeding, and I don't know if this fixes it, but they got to figure something out. Well, the NBA and the NFL are stars, too, and that's what I liked about Christian Yelich's recent article with the Wall Street Journal where he says, I'm fine with being the face. I want to be the, the star. I want to be the face of baseball because baseball doesn't have the LeBron Jameses and the Patty Mahomes that you got elsewhere, you know? The, the problem, one of the big problems for baseball is the biggest, the best player in baseball wins f- seventy games a yeah. year. Yeah. Mike, Mike Trout is is arguably a top five player ever, and nobody watches him play because his team sucks every year. Right. You know, Aaron Judge is sexy because he hits fifty five homers a year. Um, you know, that's something the league needs to build on. The problem for Yelich is he plays in Milwaukee. Yeah, and, so you know, and, and, and this isn't Giannis Adetokounmpo popularity. This is Milwaukee baseball right now. And again, Major League Baseball is not on the radar like the NBA is um, of getting on TV all the time. Definitely. Definitely. So, well, we're winding down to the hour. This went really fast, Mike Wicket. We're, we're so happy to have you with us. I wish, I wish we could talk more for tonight, but um, we'd love to have you on again soon. But, yeah, we're getting down to the, the last few seconds here. I want to thank you for coming on. 
I want to thank everybody here and everyone listening out there. I'm listening to Mike Wicked Podcast. Hey, give, give everyone a shout out and let them know where you can find your stuff one more time quick. Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. Uh, it's called Check Out My Dad Pod. I do a podcast about dads, by a dad, for dads. And then also, if you're a fan of the teams we've been talking about here, the Brewers, the Bucks, the Packers, uh, Wicket on Wisconsin. It's all over. Uh, like I said, it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, and you should check it out. Thank you guys so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. You're right, this did go fast. I didn't even get up to get a second beer. Oh, so man. I'm, I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you don't mind, stay on the line. Um, and everybody, check out Mike Wicked's stuff. We'll be back again next Wednesday, 5 Tool Podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't widen the plate. We're out. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>